as I am walking back to the clubhouse, I I could feel like there's not that much blood in my face anymore. Like it's in my extremities. I'm in the fight or flight and I am I'm breathing and I'm walking. And a little voice in my head goes like, dude, there's nothing you need to teach this guy. Welcome to the Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi. And IBL. All right. Bringing all the enthusiasm and excitement in this, I don't know, week 576 of the coronavirus. I don't even know. I shouldn't probably joke about it, but yeah, it just seems like we've been sequestered for a really long time now. Yeah, I look forward to uh, listening to this podcast a year from now and being like, wow, those days are crazy and long gone. And being grateful that they're long gone, right? Oh, so sure. grateful. So how the hell have you been dealing? By the way, we're recording this isolated from each other over Zoom. Like most of the world is on Zoom now. And uh, yeah, we haven't seen each other in weeks. It feels like forever. Probably like three weeks. Wow. That's, that's a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. So how have you been coping with, you know, being quarantined and cooped up and not seeing the outside world? Uh, it's been a tremendous growth experience. It's been really hard dealing with uh, stress levels that are over the roof. Um, I'm trying to keep to my routines. Been taking uh, sunrise walks with my wife, um, staying away from my loved ones, because my wife, she works um, in the medical industry and she doesn't want any cross-contamination. So for the safety of everybody, for the safety of the patients that she has to deal with, we've been isolating ourselves pretty good. So needless to say, you I mean, I am out isolated because I live alone and uh, I have been trying not to go out there. I occasionally do go and get takeout because just want to support the local economy. But uh, like my, I guess, saving grace has been going for walks and runs. Like I hated running and now I'm running. And uh, actually, it's really, really proven to be therapeutic for me. I've been using golf as a form of meditation now for a few years. Um, I've realized that when I play my best golf is when they call it the zone. I call the zone whenever you don't have that mental monkey on your back. That's just when you're like looking, observing, visualizing, and executing. And it all happens naturally without any effort. That's where um, magic happens, I like to call that. But it's the same thing for doing art. Like if, if you bring out your, your art set and the inner judge turns off before you know it, you're going to be doing art. And it's really cool. But I found that the same skills that I could apply into my art are the same skills that I could apply into my golf, which are the same skills that get strengthened through meditation. So that's my saving grace. I'll go out during my lunch break and I will chip and putt for about 45 to an hour. I, I literally drop three balls on the, on the fringe and I will chip it onto the green and then I will putt the ball into the hole. So I set up, I visualize, I execute, I let go of any negative thoughts that go through my head and I try to clear my mind as best as possible. 
and I want whatever it is that I visualize to manifest immediately. And it's <laughs> wow. amazing. It's amazing. Like the, the amount of thoughts that come through my head, like I'll, I'll chip one bad and now I have like a 12 foot putt or a 15 foot putt. And I had to let go of wanting to make the putt. I had to let go of expecting a result. I have to be there and I have to just kinesthetically feel it, see it visually, and then trust the process without any expectation whatsoever. So I get to apply all these beautiful teachings into an activity and I call that when rubber hits the road. That's where like that's when you have to you have the opportunity to apply your spirituality in your daily living. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people think that meditation is basically closing your eyes and sitting in a corner and just watching your breath, but anything can be meditation. And I really love how beautifully you take this whole experience of golf as something you know that a lot of people do, but you're actually applying meditation techniques to it and making it a meditative experience. For sure. Even from uh, the steps that I take, I will do a meditative walk from the ball where I chipped it to the hole. So everything has a purpose. It's almost like, um, like the Japanese do when they're, they're doing their moves, um, like Tai Chi. I try to make it in that, to that form. There are days that are, it's extremely difficult for, to quiet my mind. It's, it's one big jumble in my head. And then there are days where things are really quiet and the ball hits the green and it drops in the hole like magic. And it's, it's funny how there's a correlation between the, the interference, the, the fear-driven thoughts, and the lack thereof those where that's where you basically are walking in heaven. So as you could see, my relationship with the golf course is one of a place of, of quiet, a place of solitude, a place where I could just manifest. It's your church. Your it's, my, it's, my, <laughs> your it's my synagogue. It's my church. <laughs> In the in the least religious way possible, <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. But golf could be a religion. It it's uh, it's got a lot of appeal. Let's not but, go there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, normally, uh, the driving range is right across from the putting green, and um, the the tee box of the driving range, a practice tee, what they like to call it, is where you would go to the pro shop, buy a bucket of balls bring him to the practice tee and then hit him onto the field. In this case, it's a, it's an aqua range. So you're hitting balls into a, into a lake. So that day I was having a magical day. Things are going in the hole and I look up into the range and there is a bucket of balls. Who would have thought magically appears on the tee? I'm like, wow, today is a great day. Not only do I get to hit, I don't get to pay for golf balls and I get to hit them. Right. So I go up there and, you know, I'm going through my process. I stand behind the ball. I visualize. I execute. Blah, blah, blah. You guys know the drill. Over and over and over. Yeah, for the, for the duration. And if I try to rush it, I must slow down. If I get anxious, I must calm and release whatever thoughts I had that were causing my attention. So it is a meditation for me whenever I hit golf balls as well. Um, but out of the corner of my eye, I see a speeding golf cart that comes and parks right up on the tee. And I realize it's the GM. And he's like, hey, buddy, how's how's the golf swing going? I was like, it's going pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and and before I know it, it's like, do you know you have to pay for golf balls? I was like, yes, sir. I, I do realize that. Um, but uh, for my experience, if there are balls on the tee, normally people are free to hit them because they've been paid for. And he's like, but do you realize you have to pay for the golf balls? And he he had a lot of attitude and the way he was saying it, you know, it was courteous, but the emotional charge behind it yeah, was a was- little... It's a little often frustrated. It was a little crispy. Yeah. Crispy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, he turns around after I acknowledge that I must purchase golf balls and he drives off. So I'm stuck there and I'm kind of in disbelief. Um, I have a million thoughts in my head. Like, who's this guy? Who do you think he is? What type of customer service is that where you're interrupting people while they're trying to, you know, hit golf balls and, a slew of thoughts are coming into my head. And I'm like, I have to let this guy know exactly how it is, my experience in the golf. So like my insecure self is pulling my list of credentials. Like I used to work in the golf industry. I've never seen this before, how he acted towards me. I have to tell him that. The way he came about it, he could have talked to me after I was done hitting golf balls and then he could have dressed it in a more fast in a in a better manner. So I have a list of things that I'm going to tell this guy because my little self is feeling extremely threatened. Right. It's so insecure at that moment. I can't hit any more golf balls. My mind is my mind is cooked. Well, so, so we we did an episode on anger last week and it seems like he projected his anger on you which you perceived as a threat and of course, injustice towards you because you were just doing what's the norm in the industry. And now you are angry and you want to go project that anger right back at him. That's right. You hit it right on the head. And as I am walking back to the clubhouse, I I could feel like there's not that much blood in my face anymore. Like it's in my extremities. I'm in the fight or flight and I am, I'm breathing and I'm walking because Normally, when I do my walk, I started off by my meditative walk. So to and fro, I like to feel the ground beneath me. I, I switch from mental to kinesthetic. And a little voice in my head goes like, dude, there's nothing you need to teach this guy. It's not your job to teach him. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> the voice of reason speaking. I was like, no, no, but I, I got to let, let him know. So. I'm still walking and I was like, it's not your job. Your job is to let go of your emotions, the ones that you think he made you feel, but you created those all on your own. He had nothing to do with how you're feeling. That is your responsibility and your job. And I was like, damn it, the voice of reason. (laughs) Yeah, because no one can take your piece away other than you. So I've made up my mind. I'm like, I'm going to kill him with kindness, but I got to let him know. So I get to the pro shop and the assistant is behind the counter. I was like, hey, can I speak to the GM? And he's like, uh, he's not. He actually had to go out onto the golf course. He wasn't able to. Um, he's not going to be around for a little bit. Is there anything I could help you with? It's like, um, I just need to speak with him. He's like, well, it's like, it's just the two of us. Um, more than half of the staff doesn't feel comfortable being here at the golf course anymore because of the pandemic. And he's just, he's been all over the place. He's kind of stressed out. I was like, all right, all right. 
I'll, I'll catch them next time I come around. So I'm walking to my car and I'm like, man, it's like, I'm glad that I didn't see him because I think I was still heated. And even though all my intentions were to put him straight, I'm really glad that he wasn't around. So Saturday goes by, Sunday goes by, which was Easter. And it that that incident is still in my head and I can't shake it off. And I was like, before I even go out to practice on my short game, I'm going to go and I'm going to have a word with him. So I, I go to the golf course, I get out of the car, grab my stuff. I'm walking in the pro shop and there he is. Greets me with a smile like nothing ever happened. Right. And the first thing you, I... You were still holding on to this. He had already moved on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not that important. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a business to run. One, one right. client is not that big of a deal. Right. So I get there and the first thing that comes out of my mouth is like, before, before anything, I just want to thank you so much for keeping this facility open, for allowing me to come out here and work on my short game. I know that you're running on a skeletal crew and it means the world to me to have a place where I could just relax and discharge my, my stress from work. And I just wanted to thank you and your facility for staying open through these crazy times. Um, and then all of a sudden out of the blue, he's like, well, I just wanted to let you know that last time I did speak with you, I'm normally someone that knows how to say things nicely, but that day I don't think it was my best day on, on how to say things. And I just wanted to, to express that to you. Um, that there was no harm feelings or, and I, I right there and then all has been disarmed. Um, he, his energy shifted. I was able to release whatever it was that was behind. He, he even said at a moments like that is where you really would like to shake someone's hand. But unfortunately with this pandemic, we've got to keep our distance. Um, but I got really lucky, man. I, I got to work out this crazy energy. I, I had time to think about it. I was able to flip all that negative energy into something positive and constructive. And after we're done with the conversation, he's like, you don't, you don't know how much that means to me right now. I really appreciate you expressing those things. So gratitude and compassion can change anyone's attitude towards you, right? I mean, for sure. He, he probably thought you wanted to pick a fight, maybe. I mean, you could have easily gone back and picked a fight saying like, hey, how dare you treat me like this? I'm a customer, blah, 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 blah. And that's not going to help anyone because that's just going to like, you're projecting your anger back at him. He's eventually maybe going to take it out on his assistant or go back home and take it out on his family if he has a family. You know, it's just, it's a cascade effect. But you just cut it short right there by showing kindness and compassion and it came right back to you. You yeah, didn't even for have sure. to wait for it. I was even trying to find ways to, to help them out by asking for memberships and information that they didn't supply. Um, but the, the discharge coming from gratitude and compassion was such so much more effective than from anger. Yeah. It, it felt so good. It felt like it emptied out whatever there was left because I had been working on it um, for the last few days and I, and I had, I thought I had fully released it, but 
any any charge that was left whenever I addressed it with gratitude and compassion was just a magic salve. I, I, you know, I we get to talk about this all the time about emotions and letting go, but the the times that I do get to practice it, it's so rewarding to me. And I gotta thank I gotta thank you for being my psychic and being able to talk about these subjects because it really helps me out on a daily basis talking about it. Well, I, I, I definitely think doing this podcast keeps us on our toes because we don't just want to talk about or preach this stuff. We have to practice it. And I see myself practicing it because, you know, I've been on a very difficult project at work and, you know, been dealing with some people that have not been very nice to me. And each time I keep coming back and I say, well, what's the right thing to do here? Not go with my feelings. A long time ago, I had read this story about this guy where he was uh, passing through this village and he was on a horse and someone asked him, it's like, where are you going? He's like, I don't know. Ask the horse. And basically it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a metaphor for like, if you lead yourself by your emotions, then you're basically on a wild horse. And you have no idea where you're going. You have no control over yourself. And, um, but the more you can take control over your reaction to situations, the more you can show that you're compassionate and not let your emotions ride you or guide you even. Well, definitely ride you. I mean, they can definitely guide you. But yeah, I mean, when you just let your emotions ride you astray, you can you can cause damage to other people and of course be very harmful to yourself as well. Yeah. That reminds me of, of, uh, have you seen like those horse whispers that, that can make horses do like the craziest things, like make them lay down. And it's, it's a, it's an art form where they learn how to work with the horse through positive reinforcement to the point where the, the horse befriends you and you, you get to, do these amazing, I'll have to share this, this YouTube video about this amazing horse whisper. Okay. But, but I think there was it, a movie around that. Perhaps, but yeah. I think it's a little different. I think the movie was called Buck. I don't remember the name. Yeah. But yeah. The, it was, okay. But it was similar. It's very similar. But I think when it, when it comes to emotions, we can't, we can't really control them. I know you use that word, but I, I know what you meant. We could become aware of them. I think emotions need to ride themselves out through awareness. It reminds me a lot of the the bull and the the child in the in Chinese mythology. You've seen that the circle, the circle of where the first step in awareness is the child discovering the bull, and then the second stage is the child trying to uh, control the bull, like putting a lasso on it. Um, and he's obviously not having a good time with it. And eventually he's walking next to the bull because he and the bull have become friends. And um, eventually he's riding on the back of the bull without any um, any ropes or anything. Him and, and the bull have become one. And to me, that's, that is the, the relationship with the self and with your emotions. It's like if you try to control them, they're going to buck you off. They're going to ride you like the horse. But the more you spend time with them, the more you just observe them, 
the more acquainted you get with them to the point where eventually your, your emotions are going to be there to serve you, not mm-hmm. to harm you, not to cause stress or trauma, but to help you, to guide you on, in your journey. <clears throat> and I think that that's what we're trying to do here with the emotional compass is to, to take that journey from your head to your heart to your gut where you could find that infinite wisdom, where you could be one with the creator and, and come from that flow, come from that magic. So I think that's, what, that's the true purpose of our emotions is for them to serve us. Oh, absolutely. I feel, I, I, I like what you said about, you know, them guiding you and you just becoming more aware of them by watching them. Because what happened here in your case was, when he told you those things and you got angry, basically your emotions were just trying to tell you like, hey, there's injustice here. But your awareness was telling you like, yeah, but do I need to like retaliate? Is the injustice that grave that I need to retaliate? Like, no, not really. I mean, like, yeah, he told you like, you need to pay for the balls. Okay, yeah, you accept it, acknowledge that. Of course, in the moment, it still made you angry. And you still wanted to do something about that because, you know, that's we're creatures of habit. Like we've been conditioned all our lives. Like once you get angry, do something about it. But in not all cases, you need to do anything about it. You, you definitely need to bring awareness to the fact that you're angry. You need to realize why you're angry and whether it makes sense to react in the moment or act on that anger, which you didn't, which was an amazing thing that you just walked away but it's not that you didn't, you just walked away by ignoring it. You actually worked on that because you wanted to get a, to the bottom of the fact like, hey, why am I so upset about this? And what can I do? And eventually you went back to the guy, but you went back with compassion and with gratitude. And I, I just think it's a really, really beautiful story and really tells us exactly what the whole what, what our journey, as you mentioned, with the emotional compass is all about, it's not about us trying to control our emotions. And I, I guess when I was talking about controlling emotions, I meant reacting to situations, right? We can, we can control our reactions to situations. And life is, you know, I, I always say this, life is not what happens to you. Life is how you react to what happens to you. Most of life is that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you got to get lucky too. I'm glad that, I'm glad how it turned out. And having that opportunity, I feel like more more opportunities to experience that. Obviously, I don't want negative encounters that way. But the more you do it, the more you react, the more you could exercise your free will. Because I don't want to be hostage to my emotions. I want to use my free will, my awareness to observe all the things that are happening to me so that I could choose for the, for the greater good, which is what's going to make my heart sing. Anger doesn't make my heart sing. It, it hurts. It hurts a lot. And I don't want to come from that energy. So any opportunity I get to come from love, I do it not for them, but for me. It's a, it's a, the most selfish act is to forgive. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. And if you want to know about that, you know, check out our episode on forgiveness where we go into detail on like how forgiveness is a very selfish act. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I I just really, really loved this example when you told me the whole story. And that's why I thought we can, we have to do a podcast around it because it's a teachable moment, not just, you know, for our listeners, but for us as as well, because it allows us to learn from our everyday reactions, because this is, this is a pretty small thing that happened, but we can apply the same things to a lot bigger things that happen in our lives. It's like this pandemic that's going on. A lot of people are getting frustrated because we've been, you know, in quarantine for so many weeks now. And, um, you know, maybe it'll be another few more weeks. We don't know if it's actually going to end the end of April. And uh, you can either look at this as an opportunity, like you're cursed, or you can look at it as a gift and make the most of it. There was like this meme that I was seeing, you know, after after the pandemic, when they announced the next MasterChef audition, there's going to be a huge line of people because there's all these people that are learning to cook, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cute. You know, it's like, oh, great. But get so many good like home chefs out of this whole thing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So if you're out there and somebody's not being so nice to you, just realize that there's so many people going through very stressful situations at the moment. And if it's not even for this pandemic, you never know what just happened to that person that's across the counter or that that retail clerk that's not that's being snobbish. Just just realize that people have different mechanisms to protect themselves and you don't understand or we don't know where that person has been or what they're they're going through so if you get an opportunity to practice compassion and forgiveness and love those things really build us up and one of those lovely acts reverberates through time and, and it affects not only them but probably the family member they're going at home that might be sick or you know it's there's too many blessings to count on that one. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Wow, way to wrap that up. Yeah, good job, bro. Yeah. Well, this is Bodhi and Abiel, and this is the emotional compass. And as we always say, this is our love, our prayer out to the universe and all of you. So please share this episode and. Uh, and if you haven't yet, please go and rate and review because the more ratings and reviews that we have on this podcast, the more people can discover it. And that's the only way you can discover an Apple podcast. So please rate and review and subscribe. Also know that we have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. So if you want to check out our quotes, Bodhi does a wonderful job. It's a collaborative effort. We put our love into there as, as well. Just leave a comment. Ask us a question. We're there for you. Just remember that. Until next time.